with Jesus on a daily basis and the Holy Ghost wells up in us, you're living not in this physical sense realm where you just touch and think and feel and, and reason, but you're living according to revelation by the Spirit. Like that sister who got that word about even Pac-Man, you know. Or how, however, see, the, these words come up from the Spirit that your intellect cannot figure out. And then these are the people that get these sudden moves of God to step out in faith and do miraculous things. Amen? They're in the right place at the right time. I want to be that kind of Christian. Amen? I don't want to be just living in my sense, reason realm. I want revelation from the Holy Ghost. How many are with me? How many want that revelation? Well, let's just look at a couple of things. John chapter 4, Jesus came to the well and he was talking to a woman, you know, and she, she was stuck in the natural. And I, bless her heart, she had reason to be. She was a hard situation. You know, we, we know this story. She'd been married five times, rejected five times, probably because she couldn't have children. She wasn't just a loose woman. Maybe she became one. But at the beginning, she, she wanted a good life. But in those days, if you couldn't have children, that was like the worst um, humiliation for a woman to not be able to have children. And, and, and she'd been through five times humiliation. And now she's just living with a guy, probably because he didn't want to marry her, because <laughs> she couldn't have children. And so she's just living with this guy. And, and she's out there at the sixth hour of the day at the well. Why? There was no other women there then. See, at the early hour, all the women came out to get water for the whole day. And she didn't want to listen to all their criticism and judgment and hateful words. And, you know, oh, look at her. We know about her. That's horrible. She dealt with that every day. And so she was out there at noon, sixth hour. And Jesus come and sat down and he said, uh, would you give me some water to drink? And, and she was shocked. And she said this. How can you talk to me? The Samaritan woman said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Believe me, there was prejudice in those days too. I hate that spirit. But see, the Jews looked down on the Samaritans like, Oh, we're not going to talk to them. You know? And the Samaritans were just used to that prejudice attitude. And here's this Jewish rabbi talking. And she's a woman besides. That was really unorthodox. And Jesus, he, he's going to get a hold of her thinking now. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? See, she's getting a little sassy here, a little sarcastic. You know, Jesus says, hey, if you just would have asked me, if you, if you recognize who I am, you could ask me. I will give you living water. And she's, well, who does this guy think he is? You don't have a bucket to get water with. And look, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and... His sons and his cattle. You know, she's like, who do you think you are? And she, she's all in the thinking, reasoning realm. She can't get out of the reason realm. 
because she's so stuck in her mindsets. See, that's one of the things that will stop you from receiving the living water of Christ. You get stuck in your predisposed notions about how things are, and, and it becomes like rocks plugging up the well of the living water because you've got predeceived notions. Well, I always believe da-da-da-da-da. I'm sorry, folks. If you want to, the living water to float, you've got to get rid of those preconceived human reasoning notions, and then God can begin to speak to you things that you otherwise never could understand. Amen? And, and so Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. And I can drink this water here. A few hours later, I'm going to be thirsty and need more. But Jesus is talking about spiritual living water. How many people in here have experienced, you know, the, the thirst of the things of this world, it, it never can be quenched. You know, you, 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 when, you're, when we're young, we live in a little apartment, you say, if I can just get a house. And then you finally get a house. Then you start having a couple of kids. Well, I, now I need a bigger house. And then you get that one. And then pretty soon you see some friend and they even got a bigger one than that. And oh, now I got to have one like they have. And, and you see these people... And, and they're living in this huge mansion, and they just die, and, and they have to leave it behind anyway. People, you know, you, you get a car, and that's good, and then, oh, man, i got to have a faster car. And then you get that one, and, you know, two weeks after you get it, well, this isn't quite as fast as I thought. I need the ne- next faster one. And it's just an ongoing carrot on a stick, and you're thirsty, and you'll never get satisfied with that stuff because it's just physical. I'll tell you, though, if you get a hold of the living water from the well of Jesus Christ, you're going to not be thirsty all the time anymore because you're going to have that wellspring of life flowing up in you. Amen? And so Jesus is getting a hold of her. He says, the water that I will give to you will become in you a well of living water springing up to eternal life. Amen? And that well, it will not run dry. Never will it run dry. It will always be producing. If you've got a heart of worship and obedience and and are are not plugged up with all the stones and the junk of this world. Amen? So I want to now go go to the next slide. We're going to talk about Isaac. Oh, this is our church planning university. I'll I'll come back to that later. Keep going. Keep going. Next. There we go. (laughs) Isaac was not perfect. He made mistakes. He did some dumb things. But see, God wasn't looking for perfect people. He was just looking for people who would submit. People who would just surrender. Those are the folks that get the living water. People that just bow down their knee and say, God, I don't have it. I need you. I'm thirsty for more of Jesus. I made mistakes. I I need you. Well, Isaac got to that point. Now, I'm going to read this story because a lot of you can relate to this. Isaac came to a difficult place where everything looked negative around him. There was famine in the land. The Philistines had plugged up all the wells that his father dug. It it, it was bad. It looked like his family wasn't going to make it. And in the natural realm, it, it looked like defeat. 
And he was thinking about going down to Egypt because there was some food at least down there. But God had to correct him and get him out of the natural reasoning, get him back into revelation of the covenant. And once he did that, hallelujah, the rivers began to flow and blessings came up, even in the time of famine. Amen? And that's where you all got to be today. Some of you are in a hard place. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be in your marriage. It might be with your kids or grandkids. It might be a church issue or a ministry. I don't know. But I tell you what, if you'll just get out of your sense realm and come into the Spirit, His water will flow up and show you the way to blessings. Amen? But it comes by the Spirit and not by the intellect. So let's read this together. It says, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. See, Egypt is the land of compromise. It looks good. There there was food down there. And in the mind of Isaac, hey, why not go? They're eating all right. And I got just hardly enough seed left here. You know, I, I got to do something because I got to take care of my, my wife, you know, Rebecca. And, and our, our future depends on it. And he's thinking in the natural. But see, the devil always will offer a compromise. <laughs> you know, the way the mind is telling you. Egypt is the land of compromise. Now, what is a compromise? It's a, an agreement or a settlement of a dispute in which two or more sides agree to accept less than they originally wanted. It's something that you accept rather than want. It's something that a person will accept because what they really want is not attainable. Or... If you look at the verb version of compromise, it means to settle a dispute by agreeing to accept less than what was originally desired. It also means to undermine or lessen the value of someone or something through compromise. Like, you know, don't compromise your integrity by telling half-truths or white lies. That's compromise. Compromise means to expose somebody or something And bring them into danger or weakness through compromise. Like this happens in political scandals all the time. Like this scandal could compromise this person's chances for re-election. Or certain drugs can compromise or weaken your immune system and expose you to disease or infection. You know, Saul compromised when he didn't follow Samuel's advice. Remember, Samuel said, destroy Agag and all of his sheeps and flocks destroy it all because it's it's pagan, it's it's evil. And Saul compromised because his mind said, Well, the people all want the sheep, they want the gold, they want all this stuff, and if I just give them the stuff, then they'll like me more. See? People compromise all around us in our society. People do it. And if we're Christians, we got to know that when it comes to the Word of God, we do not compromise. Amen? we got to stand strong. And, and so here's, we, we see Isaac, he's tempted. Now, 
In this case, he made the right decision. But a little bit later, he got compromised when he lied about his wife, Rebecca. And he, he said, she's my sister. Because he's trying to save his own skin. <laughs> yeah. How many of you wives would like that? You know, you come someplace and your, your husband says, oh, she's just my sister. Oh, it's going to be slap, slap time real soon. <laughs> yeah. And you deserve it if you did that. Well, that's what Isaac did. See, but here he, he makes up his mind to follow the covenant. Sojourn, verse 3, sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. I will perform the oath or the covenant which I swore unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. See, there was a history. There was this covenant promise. And Isaac was given the responsibility to take that next step. You know, Abraham believed God. Abraham came and left his homeland back there in Ur. And he and Lot came and and dwelt in Canaan. And God said, I will bless you that you may be a blessing. And in when he was close to a hundred and his wife Sarah was in her 80s, he gave them a child and his name was Isaac. But now Abraham is dead and Isaac's got to carry that covenant to the next generation. He can't depend on what was before. He's got to open up that well of the covenant faith and that wellspring of truth into the next generation. And of course, the enemy's resisting him. But on the way... I'm going to just speed up the story. He, he saw these Philistines all around, and they're looking at Rebecca because she was beautiful. And he's thinking, well, look at all these Philistines. You know, if I say that she is my wife, they'll kill me and steal her away, and I've lost it. And so in his reasoning, he starts thinking, well, I'll just tell them she's my sister. <laughs> oh, no. You know, he was compromised. And God couldn't bless him. See, when we, when we let those little compromises in, you know, unforgiveness, lying, dishonesty, disobedience, watching stuff on the Internet we shouldn't look at, men, you know, ladies getting into gossip or criticism or, you know, people, there's all these stones the devil wants to put in and get you to compromise. And then it stops up the blessing. And one day, Isaac was out there in the field, and he was, you know, giving some smooches and hugs to his wife because, you know, he thought no one was looking. And Abimelech was looking out the window, and he goes, oh, that ain't his sister. <laughs> and he comes out there, Isaac, what are you doing? You said she was your sister. Tell me the truth. And he said, oh, I thought your men would kill me because she's so beautiful. And so I said she's my sister, and I'm, I'm sorry, she's my wife. And see, he, he did the right thing. He admitted. He just fessed up. He said, yeah, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. And then, see, that at that point, immediately, God could begin to turn things around. God is a gracious God. He isn't looking for perfect people. That's why you need a Savior. He's looking for surrendered people. And if you'll just surrender to Him today 
and admit, yeah, I got some stones plugging up my life just like Isaac did. Lord, I want you to just blow open that well again and get rid of the bitterness or unforgiveness or disobedience or whatever it is. The Lord will show you. And now here's where it gets really good. Uh, go to the next slide, please, Shannon, or whoever's working it. Okay. So Abimelech charged all his people. See, God turned it around into a blessing. And he said, he that touches this man or his wife shall be put to death. See, what the enemy started out as something evil with, with Isaac's lie about Rebekah, God turned it around for good now and proclaimed a blessing of protection on him because he got straight with God again. And then look at this. Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Hallelujah! You know, he, he's out there sowing seed on his, his plot of land, and everybody in the neighborhood is going, ha, ha, look at Isaac, what a fool. Hasn't rained here in a couple years, everything's dry, and he's just going to throw that seed away. But Isaac, no. Thank you, Lord. You said I'm going to be blessed. I'm putting this seed in. I'm trusting in you. I'm serving you. I'm believing for the blessing because I've got a covenant. Hallelujah. People, you've got the same covenant. It's right here. It's ours. And, and the rain came and everybody else missed it. But the rain all fell on Isaac's land. And in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. Glory to God. And you say, well, that's great for Isaac. Well, people, wait a minute. This is for us too. Because we're the covenant of Abraham. We're of the same covenant he was. Amen? Now you say, well, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, that a hundredfold, that means you put in a dollar, you get back a hundred. You put in a hundred, you get back ten thousand. You put in a thousand, you get back a hundred thousand. Now, I'd like a piece of that. Who wouldn't? But people, we've got a piece of that. Because we're the seed of Abraham. Amen? And if we sow in faith and obedience, we'll get it too. Because Jesus became a curse for us. For all who die upon a cross, upon a tree, are cursed. But He became a curse so that the blessings of Abraham can come on you who believe. Amen? That's Galatians 3.13. He took that curse of unproductive lives and gave us the blessing of Abraham if we believe and if we sow and if we open up those wells of life, not just for me, but God gives us the living water to pour it out on others. Amen? And you make up your mind to do that, that hundredfold blessing will come to your life. Amen? Well, I've seen it. That's how... A missionary living on a shoestring can buy this old beat-up restaurant and build it into something. Now, we're still not making a profit yet because the winter, you know, they don't plow the roads. It's slow. But I'm just believing God. If they don't get a plow, I'll get one. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> I'm going to be blessed. How about you? Amen. You are going to be blessed because you're part of the seed of Abraham. Now, look what he did. He had... He waxed great. Verse 13. He went forward. He grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks, possession of herds, a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. 
For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Now go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. So Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar. Now see, he's, he's expanding. He's got more servants and more flocks. And the, the local king, Abimelech, he's, he's not Jewish. He's Philistine. And he's seeing, oh, this guy's becoming a threat. He's becoming too big for us. You, you, you better go. And, and so now Isaac says, well, I, I've got to have water. I've got to have fresh provision here. And so he starts seeing that he had a heritage. Those wells that the Philistines plugged up, they belonged to his father. His father dug them. There was a, a heritage in the covenant. And he said, I want what is rightfully mine. Amen? And, and people, you've got to have a determination. I have a rightful claim to the living water of, of Jesus Christ, but I've got to dig it up in prayer, in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, gift of knowledge. I've got to spend time, not just on Sunday, but every day I've got to spend time worshiping and praying. Amen? Go to the next one. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, for the Philistines had stopped them. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. See, he, he, hey, I remember this well. And this was, this was one my dad dug. And they, Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Oh, see, he's, he's out there. He's not just sitting on his backside. Oh, Lord, bless me. Make the water flow. No, he's out there with his servants, and they're digging. They're, they're pickaxing that caliche, you know. Have you ever had to pickaxe through caliche? <laughs> you know, that hard kind of rocky stuff to get to walk. It's hard. It was hard work. But see, as they just applied themselves, the waters began to flow up. And sure enough, now the herdsmen of Gerar, now they show up. Hey, we were here before you. That's our water, which was a lie. It wasn't theirs. It was Abraham's well. But they're, they're causing strife with him. And the water is ours. He, and he called the name of the well, verse 20, Asek, because they strove with him. Now this is interesting. Asek is the Hebrew word for contention. And, and if you look at what that means, contention, it means selfish ambition. Self-seeking, rivalry, jealousy. And, and so many times, folks, just before we're starting to open up that well of salvation in our churches, in our towns, in our families and marriages, the enemy comes with that spirit of selfishness. Selfish ambition stops up the flow of the rivers of God. And the devil uses it time and time again. In fact, the New Testament talks about it too. Uh, you don't have to change the slide. Just stay there, please. But it's in James chapter 3 and, and verse 16. And the, the Bible tells us, you know, th this spirit of strife is the author of confusion. This contention spirit is why people can't get things accomplished. It says, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not... Be arrogant and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not from 
above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, confusion, and every evil work. See, and the enemy, he sowed that in, in the land where Isaac's trying to dig to stop him. That contention spirit came against him. Now, Isaac could have done two things. He could have fought in the reasoning realm. Well, let's just get all the servants. Get your swords out, boys. We're going to go out there and whoop them. And for the rest of his days, he would have had an ongoing feud. But he reacted in the spirit. And instead of reacting in strife, he reacted in peace. He says, all right, you can just have that well. See, this is the spirit of God. He says, the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to reason, reasonable. That just means willing to discuss things instead of just shouting and yelling and have to have your own way. It's full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Are you a peacemaker? Isaac was. And he got blessed. See, when you walk in the door, does peace walk in with you? Does everybody, oh, I feel the peace of God. When you walk in, or do they feel nerves, strife, (laughs) you know, anxious, complaining, you know, well, why isn't this done? You know, there's some people... I mean, they just walk in the door and peace just flies right out the window. (laughs) I'm getting out of here. (laughs) But other people, they just walk in and, hey, it's the peace of God. Well, what kind of person should we be? See, we've got to learn to overcome that strife spirit and, and contention and replace it with the spirit of God's love and peace in every situation. And that's a mature Christian. Isaac had to do the same. It says, verse 21, now they digged another well, and they strove for that also. And so he called the name of it Setna. And Setna is a little different. That means just strife. Strife is disobedience, disunity, disharmony, unrest, rebellion. And boy, there's a lot of that today. (laughs) You know, people, they don't want, you know how it is. You know, your pastor just says, you know, maybe you could do this a little differently. And, well, who do you think you are? You know? <laughs> and then that spirit of strife stops up the well of living water. And that person can't flow to their higher calling and gifts because they got those stones of strife plugging up the well. And people, today we got to blast that stuff out in the name of Jesus. Because it's stopping you from experiencing the fullness of God's blessing. Amen? And so that Isaac said, I'm not going to strive. <laughs> Go ahead and have that. And so he went over and he found another one of his father's wells. And he began to dig. Verse 22, he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, we just got to keep walking in peace and love and forgiveness. And then eventually that river is going to come flowing up in us again. And there won't be that disorder and confusion and difficulty. There will be God's wellspring of living peace and good things of the Spirit. And so it says, 
He called it the name Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. And he went up from thence to Beersheba. And now look what he does. This is another key. So we see Isaac, he obeyed the Lord. He didn't compromise. He went and stayed in the land. He stepped out in faith and sowed even in a time of famine. He dug the wells of life so that others could receive the blessing. And now he didn't quit. He kept digging and digging until he finally had a place where the Lord could move. Folks, you just got to keep on digging. Maybe you haven't experienced that fullness. Keep on digging, people. Don't get in strife. Don't, don't leave the church and run off and go somewhere else. You stay where God's planted you and just keep serving and keep digging and keep loving. And that river is going to come up for you too. Amen? That's the plan of God. And finally, he worshipped the Lord. Look what he did. And the Lord appeared to him the same night. Verse 24. He said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not. Don't be afraid of what's going on in the world. Fear not. God is with you. Amen? You just get a hold of that living water today, folks. God is with you. Get a revelation. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. Fear not. Amen. Hallelujah. And what did Isaac do? He said, and he built it. Verse 25. He built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched there his tent and the there Isaac's servants digged a well. I mean, he, he, they called Isaac the well digger. Everywhere he went, he was digging up those wells of eternal life, those wells of joy, those wells of salvation, wells of forgiveness, wells of freedom. And he became the one who provided the next step. And his sons were Jacob and Esau. And Jacob became the father of the twelve tribes of Israel, his son. See, God had a plan. God had a great plan. God's got a great plan for you. Let's see. He, he built an altar there. He got down on his knees and he honored the Lord God of heaven. And he worshiped and, and gave credit to the one who is the giver of life and eternal living water. Amen? And that's, that's a key for us people. We've got to be constantly giving God the glory and giving Him honor and thanksgiving. And, and our life should be like a living altar of praise to Him. Amen? Because you can't, I, I promise you right now, you can't dig up those wells in your own strength. You can't find them. I have a huge vision. I, we got eight churches in check. When I die, I want to see a hundred. I want to see supernatural multiplication. I want a hundred churches in check before I breathe my last. Why not? How big is God? You say, oh, Mark, that's just a little. Oh, no, I don't accept that. My God is a big God. And he's called me to go and dig up some wells. Amen? Well, how about you? There's wells right here in Oklahoma. The wells in people's hearts. And you can lit, open them those stones, pull out that unforgiveness and bitterness and sadness and rejection, depression, oppression. Folks, you've got the living water. Just hook up that hose of the Holy Ghost and blast that stuff out and love people. 
And you'll see the same thing happening right in your lives too. Because the more you pour, the more comes in. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Well, I preached myself happy. Let's all stand. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I just realized I went about ooh, 20 minutes over time. But I hope you didn't mind. Are you all with me today? <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. I want to pray for you as we close. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor CJ. Would you all just be honest with me? How many of you really, really want that living water? Raise your hand. Praise God. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> How many can see? Maybe there's some stones that have been plugging up that flow. <laughs> some little stones of unbelief or unforgiveness, disobedience. I don't know, but you do, and God does. And today is days when we don't have time to be messed up with just a little trickle. I do not want to just get... I don't want to live on that. I want, I want the rivers of living water. I don't want the holy drop. <laughs> Amen? But you got to get the stones out. <laughs> I do too, people. I'm preaching to myself. I can't do what I need to do if I've got some stones in me plugging up the flow. We all got to just be honest with God and say, yeah, Lord, there's some stones. I want to get rid of them now, today, here, right now. So if you're honest and you know there's a couple stones in there, lift up your hand and I'm going to pray for you right now. <laughs> Come on, just be honest. You know, there's a couple things in there. I got to get them stones out. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to pray for that group. Oh, Hallelujah. God, I just thank you that you are the author of life. And you are that source of living waters that freely flow to all who believe. But God, some of us today, there's some just stony little things that have been plugging up the fountain. And we're just being straight honest with you, God, because you know everything anyway. I can't hide anything. You know my heart. You know my mind. You know everything in my life. And I'm just coming with my brothers and sisters, God, and we're just saying, Lord, open up the wells in me. Take out those stones. I just repent right now of things that I've let get in there for whatever reason. God, I'm just doing heart surgery. I'm asking you to just clear out those stones and things that... That don't belong there. Things that aren't like Jesus. And I'm asking you to just set me free by the precious blood of your Lamb, Jesus Christ. Lord, come and just do that, that opening up of, of all those hard things that are stuck down in there. Maybe even from when I was a kid. and Rejection or, or negative you know, speaking over my life or curses. Uh, maybe it's things that I've done. And I just disobeyed you in some area. But right now, Lord, I just lay down before the throne of God and I say, cleanse me, Jesus. Wash me in your Holy Ghost. Make me new. Make me whole. Make me free. And let me come again to that living fountain that flow from heaven like a waterfall. Let it just flow into me with greater power like a surge of holy energy rising up in me. And make me a, a river of peace and life for those around me again. 
I just thank you for your goodness to me, Lord. That today is my day of freedom. My day of living water. My day of power. To get back in that place. And I'm going to be a gusher for you, Lord. (laughs) I'm going to be a gusher.